The physiology of muscle growth boils down to three things, muscle tension, muscle damage, and metabolic stress. In layman's terms, the soreness you feel in your muscles the day after you went to the gym and lifted weights is a good thing. Here's why. Your body is repairing and rebuilding your broken muscle fibers. The net result is bigger and more toned muscles. What is true physiologically is also true spiritually. The psalmist says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite spirit, O God, you will not despise. The brokenness of spirit that leads to repentance is sometimes the only way God can build our worship muscle and prepare us for a new season of growth. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah sees a glimpse of Jesus and he says, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. Hello and welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My name is Brian Davis. Thanks for being here. Well, this brokenness of spirit led Isaiah to the blessedness of repentance. It was a crushing that led to confession that ultimately led to a cleansing. Ron shows us how to get there for ourselves today as he continues his teaching series, True Worship. Online, you'll find us at somethinggoodradio.org where you can listen to the broadcast on your schedule. Listen or subscribe to the daily podcast at Spotify, at Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get yours. From Isaiah chapter 6 and his teaching series, True Worship. Here's Ron with part two of his Something Good Radio message, The Ruined Worshiper. Jesus wasn't crushed because of the conviction of his own sin. He was crushed by the weight of our sin and the prospects of going to the cross and paying the penalty for it. But there was a, a beautiful, uh, kind, but somewhat tender, cruel crushing that took place, even of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it produced something wonderful. I'm, I'm just suggesting to you Oh, we can talk about being true worshipers and transformed worshipers, but, but there comes a time, and maybe that time needs to be now and maybe more frequent than we'd really like for it to be, when it's time for us to get right with God, when the conviction of sin comes upon us and we're crushed by the weight of it. Here's the good news. Following the crushing comes a cleansing. All right, let's read on in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 6. Isaiah says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with thongs from the altar. And with it he, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Aren't you glad the cleansing follows the crushing. And I would even slide in between the two, something else that's happening here. The crushing leads to a confession, which then leads to a cleansing. Uh, the crushing is found in the words, woe to me. But then Isaiah quickly confesses, I am ruined. 
I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips. He's, he's confessing that he has a vile, God-dishonoring mouth. Is that your problem today? Is that the sin that the Holy Spirit would, you know, point to in your life? Maybe it's not an unclean mouth. Maybe it's something else. Your eyes, your ears, your lips, your hands, your feet are filthy from your journey through this world, and you've picked up the filth and the dirt and the sinful scum of this world. And the conviction of sin leads you, it crushes your spirit, but brings you to a point of confession that yields a cleansing, a cleansing. And it's that angel who flies across the temple there with some tongs, grabs a, a coal from the altar and takes it and touches uh, Isaiah's lips. Had to sting some. Had to hurt a little bit. But it was healing, and it was cleansing. He says, see, this has touched your lips. God is not afraid to touch that area of your life that is not rightly related to Him with something that might sting a little bit, but it's a healing touch. It's a touch that will cleanse that area of your life and mine. And he says, your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. That makes the crushing worthwhile, doesn't it? That makes the confession before a holy God, the coming clean before Him, worthwhile. If the heavy weight of guilt that I've been carrying around is lifted, and when the guilt is lifted, guess what? You don't have to walk around in shame and don't let anybody shame you because you've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ and your sins atoned for. In one sense, uh, that happened once and for all for the believer of Jesus Christ when you put your faith and trust in Him. That's called justification. And the blood of Jesus Christ was applied to your account and your sins, past, present, and future, were atoned for. The guilt and the shame is lifted. But there's also a sense in which, um, as believers in Jesus Christ, we move from this idea of justification, something that happened once and for all here in the past, to, to sanctification. Uh, day by day, moment by moment, as we're being shaped and molded into the image of God, transformed as worshipers to look more and more like Jesus, as we talked about last week from Romans chapter 12, that's the process of sanctification, okay? Positionally, cleansed, guiltless, atoned for in the presence of God. Practically speaking, uh, God is is bringing our, our present and practical reality into alignment with our position as cleansed and atoned for sinners. And that's why 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 is important to remember at this point of cleansing. It says, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John is writing his first uh, New Testament postcard to Christians, and 1 John is all about Oh, not people coming into a relationship with God with Je through Jesus Christ, but those who have come into a relationship with Him, how to maintain fellowship with Him. And there's a difference. 
I can be married to my wife and have a ring on my finger and a marriage contract and a marriage ceremony to look back on uh, 25 more or more years ago. Uh, we are in relationship with one another, but over those 25 plus years, there have been times that we've been out of fellowship with one another, right? That's true of every married couple. You've experienced that. Something is just not right between you. It's not that you're no longer married, you're no longer in relationship, you've just broken the fellowship. Same is true in our relationship with God. We're brought into a relationship with Him by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And once you're saved, you're always saved. You're never kicked out of the family of God because of poor behavior any more than you're brought into the family of God because of good behavior. It was all because of what Christ did for you. But as believers in Jesus Christ, as children in the family of God, sometimes we can be out of fellowship with our heavenly Father. And sin is what breaks that fellowship. Again, our journey through this life, through a corrupt, wicked, sinful society, we pick up some of the the smell and and the dirt and and the, the sinfulness of our society. So what do we do as Christians? We go to 1 John 1, 9. Hopefully the Holy Spirit has brought a moment of conviction and crushing to our spirit that something is out of step with the Holy God. And that conviction and that crushing leads to a confession. And then there's a cleansing based on 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. Still ahead, the second half of today's Something Good radio message with Dr. Ron Jones. Something new is happening at Something Good at somethinggoodradio.org. We just released a brand new streaming platform for Something Good Radio and Something Good Television, or what we're calling SGTV. There you'll also find Something Good Travel, Something Good Courses, and the new Something Good Digital Library, where you can search for biblical answers to your questions from nearly 30 years of Ron's Bible teaching ministry. Watch, listen, and download for free, and when it's convenient for you. That and a lot more is available now at somethinggoodradio.org. And remember, when you send a special gift today, we'll say thank you with a gift of our own, the complete audio download of the series you're hearing now, True Worship. Donate online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices 757-276-1099. And now here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good radio message, The Ruined Worshipper. Hold your place here in Isaiah and turn with me to um, the book of 2 Timothy for a moment. And this sets up the third thing that we see in Isaiah. He was crushed. He was cleansed. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 20 says, Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable use. Paul is making a comparison between something in the earthly world and in your home and the spiritual world. He says, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself... From what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, and ready for every good work. 
How many of you want to be useful to the master for every good work that he has for you? You and I have a work to do in cleansing ourselves. In partnership with the Holy Spirit who is sanctifying us, we have to be willing for him to convict us of our sin on a regular basis. Anytime we're out of step or out of stride with the Holy Spirit of God, and that conviction of sin comes. We confess, we receive cleansing, renewed fellowship, and renewed usefulness to the master. See, Isaiah is learning all of this in a heavenly worship experience. And he goes through this process as a ruined uh, worshiper. He's crushed, he's cleansed, There's confession in there, all in preparation for a brand new calling. And that's where we go back to Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8. He says, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And he said, here I am, send me. There's a clarity that comes to Isaiah in this moment. He was crushed, he confessed, he was cleansed. But then he says at the beginning of verse 8, then, then I heard the voice of the Lord. In the context here, the word then marks the sequence of time. After crushed and confessed and cleansed, oh, then I could hear the voice of the Lord. The the psalmist says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, in other words, if I love my sin more than I love God, and I continue in my sinful ways, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. You can pray all day long, and your prayers will go no higher than the ceiling in the room in which you're in. If you've not taken that conviction of sin and allow it to become a confession and a cleansing before a holy God. Then he'll hear your prayers, but more than that, then you'll hear the voice of God. Not only can you not speak to God when there's sin in your life that is not dealt with in the way that Isaiah dealt with his, but you won't hear with clarity the voice of God. Isaiah says, then I heard the voice of God. Scariest place for a follower of Jesus Christ is to say, yeah, I'm in relationship with God and I go to church, but I I haven't heard from him for a long time. And I'm not talking about hearing little voices where they want to check you into some place. How does God speak to us? Primarily through his word, But this is a book unlike any other book. It's not like the bestseller you pull off the shelf or that classic, you know, in in literature that you pull off the shelf. This is the living and active Word of God. And God will take the words on the printed page, and as the Holy Spirit brings them to life, He'll speak to you. I've had that experience numbers of times throughout my life and my ministry where these words just leap off of the page and into my spirit. 
As a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. Remember, part of worship in spirit and in truth is aligning your spirit with the Holy Spirit and being able to discern His voice as you travel through life's journey, through the Word of God, and His voice will never contradict the Word of God. But here Isaiah, in the holy presence of God, crushed, confessed, cleansed, now he hears the voice of God, and a calling comes. Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Kind of gives you the sense that the Lord's been calling out, calling out to the nation of Israel. Will somebody go on our behalf? The hour here is the, is the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Who will go for us? One God who expresses himself in three distinct persons. Who will go for us? doesn't seem like anybody has their ears tuned to what God's been saying. Isaiah does now. And he responds to the calling, and he says, here am I, Lord, send me. Previously, maybe he, he never said those words because he didn't hear the voice of God with clarity because his lips and what came out of his mouth were as vile and as corrupt as anything else that he saw in the world. And the only way he got to the place where he says, here am I, Lord, send me, because he heard the clear voice of God was to stop pointing the finger of judgment at somebody else and to say, I've got a log in my own eye. I'm not going to worry about the speck in somebody else's eye. Judgment begins at my household. I got to get myself right with God. And when he did, oh my, did a new season of growth and ministry opportunity open up for Isaiah. A clarity came in his life. There's nothing like a crushed spirit that leads to confession and cleansing to bring clarity and the clarity of God's call in your life. Watch out, world, when the church gets to this point. We'll have such clarity on what God wants us to do that we say, here am I, Lord, send me. I'm available. The ruined worshiper responds to the call of God like a missionary. Here am I, Lord, send me. How easy is that for Isaiah to say? Might have been difficult before. But now that everything about him is aligned to the holy, holy, holy of God, he is a cleansed vessel. He is called. Now he's committed to the mission of God. And he doesn't say, send me if, or send me when, or send me here, or I'll go there but not. No, just here am I, Lord, send me. There is such clarity and such commitment in his response here. And it's an act of worship. What we do with our time, our talent, even our treasure, friends, is a holy act of worship. Long before we ever gather for a portion of an hour and sing a couple of songs, which is a whole other discussion about worship. 
What you bring to that moment that we call a worship gathering, oh my, if we all had a, an Isaiah experience before we got here on Sunday, what a pure, uncontaminated worship experience we might have as a little bit of heaven came to earth. And all of this is preparing us for the day when we get to go home. And the Lord is, is shaping us and he's molding us into true worshipers because that's what Isaiah experienced in heaven. Thanks so much for being here for today's Something Good Radio message, The Ruined Worshiper. And Ron, you mentioned the crushing, the confession, and finally, the cleansing that comes when we're broken before God in true worship. Talk a little further about this concept as we wrap things up today on Something Good. You know, Brian, we're often oblivious to our own human frailty. At least we don't view it for precisely what it is. Uh, we're busy with work and family and other responsibilities, and, and sometimes we just don't take the time to take a deep inward look at our sinful condition. But there's something about tapping into our own badness that helps us better appreciate God's goodness. When we really become broken over our own sin, the full weight of His grace and mercy, well, they're easier to see and easier to understand. Now, the same thing works in reverse. Isaiah, for example, came face to face with God's goodness and His holiness and immediately was reminded of his own badness and unholiness. Now, this brokenness before the blessing, this uh, crushing before the cleansing, is very often the thing that can lead us to a genuine, godly sorrow about our own sin struggles, whatever they may be. That's what leads to confession and repentance and ultimately cleansing. If we're never confronted with the absolute holiness of God, it will be difficult to fully appreciate the absolute unholiness within ourselves. Now, God never lords our sin over us. He's not a ruthless dictator or a taskmaster who constantly beats us up over our own failures. But he does bring about the conviction of sin. Sometimes he'll do it through his word. All we like sheep have gone astray, for example, or all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Other times he'll do it in a sort of way he did with Isaiah, a vision, a dream, or maybe even a daydream where you get a glimpse of either who God is or else you get a glimpse of who you are apart from him. Again, when we see his pure goodness, we're better able to be made aware of our pure badness and vice versa. I'd encourage all of our listeners here on Something Good to find ways to tap into the holiness of God. Uh, to get yourselves alone in a room where you can worship him to the point of brokenness. This has to be done on purpose. It's got to be intentional. If we'll do this, it will be a transcendent thing. And it will lead us to a far deeper walk with Christ and a greater level of joy on this side of heaven. Ron, that's such a great reminder. I really appreciate those final thoughts on today's message, The Ruined Worshipper. Tomorrow, Ron, you move ahead in your series, True Worship. Tell us a little bit about that message as we wrap up today's Something Good radio broadcast. Sure, Brian. One of the things I want to emphasize over the next couple of days is that we will never be true worshipers until we are content worshipers. 
Now, it's true we're allowed to take our desires to God. He gives us permission to ask for our needs and, and for our wants. But even though we may ask for something, we're, we're at our very best when we are content with what we already have. It's a little like what I said earlier this week about the Garden of Eden versus the Garden of Gethsemane, my will versus God's will, what I want versus what God wants. When we can get to a place in worship where we are truly content, we will see our relationship with God, well, elevated in a way it may not have been before. And I'll get into this concept a little bit deeper starting tomorrow, right here on Something Good. Join us then for Something Good as Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, The Content Worshiper. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for listening. 